0: Maybe I succeeded a little I jumped up from the floor to the middle You think I want the credit, I don't Cause the glory ain't made for me, no I know who sits on the throne Who makes the stage and writes the songs And I know I couldn't do this on my own more sunshine and rain, and I could thank my lucky stars, but that's not where my blessings are, nor they come from, the Father's heart, not the sky, not chance, but truth is I'm not
1: Welcome to the Great Little Zion Baptist Church. We celebrate your presence here today with us. Enjoy the worship service as you sit back and listen to the singing as it gives inspiration to your soul, and then the preaching of the Word of God as it gives instruction to your soul. Be blessed.
2: today.
3: Glory to y'all, one and true Lord Jesus Christ, cause He walked us up this morning, and we gonna worship Him. Wherever you at, in your living room, riding in your car, you gonna have a sanctuary in your in your place right now. Everyone needs to lift up your voice and shout out to the Lord and thank Him for the best day of your life. Come on.
4: Good morning, Zion family, friends, and guests. Here are our weekly announcements. This week, we have the pleasure of celebrating our 129th anniversary with Revival Services on Thursday and Friday at 7 p.m. featuring Dr. Marcus D. Cosby and the Faithful Connections. On Saturday, drive up and drop off some canned goods for our canned food drive. Then on Sunday, we conclude with our Zion Day worship service at 10 a.m. on YouTube Live, featuring guest speaker, Reverend Dr. Charles E. Goodman, Jr. Make sure to invite all of your friends and family. On Wednesday, we will be having a virtual prayer meeting from 6 to 7 p.m. and our Bible study at 7.30 p.m. Make sure this month to tune into our youth and young adult Bible studies on October the 13th at 6 p.m. and at 7 p.m. We also have our Sunday school lessons on the weekend. Join us this Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for our youth and young adult Sunday school and Sunday at 8:30 a.m. for our adult online. Tune in, check in and follow us on YouTube, Facebook and Instagram. We thank you so much for joining us this morning, and so glad that we can worship with you and connect with you virtually. Have a blessed day!
1: Good morning, great little Zion, as you gather your Bibles, if you will, join me as we are going to take a journey down in the book of Psalms. And so I want to direct your attention this morning to Psalm 32 verses 1 through 2, and Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5a, Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, and then Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. As we completed the series out of the first book of John, we now want to start a new series out of selected Psalms under the general title, Living Out Loud, Life According to the Psalms. Living Out Loud, Life According to the Psalms. That's the series title. And today we're going to look at a particular title as it referenced the sermon itself. So let's begin to read the Scripture, Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. And then from Psalm 103, I want to read verses 1 through 5, We come upon these words. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life. With good things Today I want to talk about The blessed life The blessed life From Psalm 32 Verse 1 through 2 And Psalm 103 Verses 1 through 5 Clause 8 Again the sermon title The blessed life My hope is that As we concluded that 1st John Series I want to apply the words of Paul as he spoke them in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. My prayer is that those words are applicable to how the series in 1 John affects us. Here's what Paul says. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. That's a part of what I pray happens to you from going through First John that your inner being is strengthened by the word of God. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. One of the reasons why I took us through First John is to increase as well as make aware, create a sensitivity to the trust factor that's needed to be expressed when we talk about the word of God. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Remember, in First John, we spoke a lot about love. John identifies as that, as one of his major themes, this issue of loving one another because the love of God is in us and it has to come out to depict to others Christ in us. And so my prayer is that God's love is stirred in your heart and you in return now express that to both those who are redeemed and those who are not redeemed. But that our roots would grow strong and spread in the things of God in reference to the world. And he closes out by saying, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great, fully understand. That's the mystery about the love of God. It is so wide, so powerful, so deep, and so life-changing that it's wrapped in the shroud of the mysterious and we cannot get a full understanding of how marvelous it is. One critical manner of looking at that is because he loves us so much and so we can wrestle with the question, God how do you love me the way that you do? It is said that one quickly discovers upon arrival at the Montego Bay, Jamaica, how persistent their shopkeepers can be, considering that their livelihood depends upon getting shoppers slash tourists to purchase their items. They can be deemed as irritating because their hard work calls for monetary reward. The story is told of one such merchant who is widely liked by his tourists and he makes his living by carving animals out of wood. He makes a minimal profit, but when in conversation with his customers, he is known for always referring to how blessed he is. His name is Roy. When perusing Roy's shop, Nothing in that space to the eye suggests that he is blessed as he proclaims. But Roy's smile tells his customers how blessed he is because of Jesus Christ. Roy's perspective or definition of being blessed is much different than what we are accustomed to hearing and using as a definition in the Western world. Roy's demeanor poses the very interesting questions. What does it mean to be blessed? And what does a blessed life look like? As I said before, Roy would not fit our Western definition of being blessed because he is not surrounded by the things that we associate with God's blessing. He doesn't have wealth, he doesn't have prestige, he doesn't have a very prestigious occupation, he doesn't possess elaborate housing, he doesn't have upscale automobiles, he doesn't have privileged membership. Yet, when we look at how life is lived loudly out in the Psalms, Roy overwhelmingly comes to mind. what it means to have a blessed life. If you take a moment and begin to travel through the Psalms, you'll discover that a blessed life in the Psalms is never connected to culture, It's never connected to demographics, never connected to money, never connected to political power, or any other of the measurements we use in Western culture. You may even find it hard to believe that being blessed really doesn't have anything to do with the fact that I have 300 cable channels attached to my television, nor is it have anything to do with getting a great return on my time. Instead, often being blessed in songs has to do with spiritual origins as well as some of these final things that life seemed to supply. For example, the oncology nurse who is working to care for a cancer patient is being blessed and is a blessing. She's being blessed by the patient, no doubt, in looking at how life could be and being thankful of her own condition or his own condition. But likewise, being a blessing Because they're now serving someone who stands in need of their outreach. Same thing can be said about the person who may depend on you providing for them your provision. That person is both blessed and a blessing. They're blessed because you have outreached, reached out, and decided that you would help supply what their needs are. But they are a blessing to you because they enable you to be able to live out that deep, innate calling, spiritual as well as natural responsibility that God has placed on the inside of your spirit. Your employer is both blessed and a blessing. They are blessed to have you as an employee because you're a child of God, but then they are also a blessing because you are employed. The blessed life is somewhat different than what we've always been taught. It's not the accumulation of things. It's not being under the auspices of wealth, but a blessed life according to the song and particularly according to David's words is much different. In fact, let's take a look at the scripture and see exactly what does the psalm say about what a blessed life is. Who is blessed, argues the psalm. I only got two points today, so we're going to get through this very quickly, but I want you to hear them because they certainly are at least the starting points of how we can measure what it means to have a blessed life. Listen to David. In Psalm 32 And again in verse 1 and 2 Oh what joy For those whose disobedience is forgiven Whose sin is put out of sight Now if anybody should have known the meaning of those words David would have been one He knows what it means to be forgiven He stood before God guilty, before Israel guilty, before the prophet Nathan guilty, and now as we are reading his story, he's likewise guilty before us. He's guilty of two crimes, adultery and murder. And can you imagine how some responded in the town of Jerusalem after they heard about David's indiscretion? After they heard about what David has done, once he has been confronted by the prophet Nathan, and no doubt the word has gotten around after it spread for others, folks said some interesting things, probably, about David. After hearing the
4: news, and after reading his history,
1: I believe some say, David needs to be kicked out. Some kind of king he is. He needs to be kicked off of the seat as the king. We need to kick out that murderer from Jerusalem who killed Uriah. In fact, his failures has disqualified him from being a king. Some of you, when you listen to that, it may ring a familiar sound of people's verbiage about your own life. You know what it means to have people talk about you when you have failed. You know how it feels as if your life now appears to be useless all because you had a moral failure. Don't miss the point. There are two critical things about David's life that I want us to highlight and understand what David is trying to help us recognize in this text. David says, first of all, I'll tell you what a blessed life is. A blessed life is a sinner, a violator of divine standard who's been forgiven. David says, I am a living witness about what it means to have fallen from grace, And what it means to have now been ostracized by those that I thought were my peers and those that I thought I was serving, they said some truthful but hurtful things about me. But David says, I know now what it feels like to have been a fallen sinner and yet I know what it means to be forgiven. One of the great things that helped David in this context, I think, was two critical things in his failed moment. One, his anointing. His anointing kept him from being injured by Saul. Remember, Saul is consistently out trying to kill David because he's jealous of not only David's reputation, as the crowd would say, Saul has killed his thousand, but David has killed ten thousand. The city was referencing David more than they were Saul. and That bothered Saul tremendously. He felt the only way to regain some level of popularity is to get rid of David. And you know how David feel. Because your work, because your effort, because your decisions, yes, led you down a road that did not bring about the kind of outcome that you certainly would have desired. But what hurt you more was when you went back looking for forgiveness, you didn't find it. Instead, you found criticism. You found ostracism. You found those who were demeaning your life and making you feel as if your life is small and countless. And yet, it was David's anointing that kept Saul from injuring him. And you might want to wonder how come out of all of the criticism and all of the bad things that people have said about you because of your failure, you're still able to hold your head high. It's simply because God's anointing on your life enables you to lift your eyes into the hills from whence comes your help. Listen to what God did. He not only had an anointing on David's life, but... God permitted David to live a palace life in Jerusalem. A fallen man who committed both adultery and murder and yet he's still living in the palace. He's still living a favorable lifestyle. Some of us can remember some of our own failures and those failures should have brought about Certain consequences But aren't you shouting right now And you are celebrating the fact That what could have been Did not become Because not only was God's anointing Looking out for you But God grant you some favor So that your failure Absolutely did not destroy you So David had his anointing David had God Permitting him to give him favor And even notice that David committed four of the transgressions out of the Ten Commandments. And yet, he didn't deserve, he didn't get what he deserved. Let me say it again. David didn't get what he deserved. Both of his crimes required the penalty of death. Yet David didn't get what he deserved because God had an anointing on him and God gave him some favor. And your crime or indiscretion or moral failure didn't get you what you deserved. But it's because God's favor and anointing is upon your life. And right now, you can celebrate and you are happy. I know you are, as you got that flashback moment to think about what could have been if the truth had been known and if the consequence would have played itself out. And You ought to be glad that the anointing kept some things back from you. He's a wife stealer, he's a husband killer, and he's now talking about how the sinner is blessed. As I said before, he ought to know. He ought to know what it means to be a sinner and how and what it means to be blessed. But guess what? He's not the only one. Listen to what the text says, Psalm 32, verse 1 again. Oh, what joy for those, see, you and I in that those category. Our name is listed in those Whose disobedience, whose failure, whose shortcoming, who's missing the mark, who's lying, who's stealing, whose adulterous behavior, whoever, whatever, it's in there. It's contrary to the law of God, but David says, How joyful for those who already know and now who have experienced it and are walking in. The joy of having their sins forgiven. David said, their sins have been put out of sight. Aren't you glad that God doesn't bring back to your face, doesn't do like we do to each other, throw back at you what he's delivered you from? He's such merciful in providing for us the direction that he will remind us of where we are going and perhaps the detours that we've made and how we've gotten off track and how doing this before has led to a certain conclusion. But I'm grateful that God doesn't keep a record of all the things that I've done wrong. That's what David says right here. He says, yes, verse 2, what joy, see there's a repeated aspect of joy of shouting, of satisfaction, of celebration thank goodness that it doesn't hold to me what my history says he says what joy for those whose record the Lord I just can walk around the day with any kind of pride and any kind of, of, of anointing. is because of what the Lord has granted in his forgiveness. Listen to what David says. David says I'm not the only one, I already know who knows what it means to be a sinner. Because you and I, we may not have committed adultery or murder. We may not have stolen or misappropriated funds but we are guilty of being a sinner and other behaviors that demand death. So we also join David in testifying that we too are grateful that our past life record is not held captive by God. Instead, we are rejoicing because God has forgiven our wrong, erased our record, and given us grace, given us mercy, has restored us and resurrected each of us from the ashes of doom. That's what he says. Look what he says. He says, Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt and now whose lives are lived in complete honesty. In other words, David says, I, I got to tell you. I'm happy and I walk around with the pride, not because of what I've done, but because I know I've been forgiven. I know I've been washed. And that's how we shout today. We have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Our lives, our record that was stained by wrongdoing has been washed away.
3: We don't talk about that much anymore. We're all always hearing sermons
1: about naming and claiming, believing and receiving about how we are prosperous and we're waiting for our destiny. Sometimes it's good just to think how grateful you should be that our past record, which would have disqualified us from many things in the kingdom of God, has been washed away. He's delivered us from the ashes of doom. Now some of you got that flashback moment and you're trying to think about, wow, where the Lord found me in a context of despair and disappointment, in a context of being disturbed and not even really recognized if I'm going to make it and yet he lifts us up. And as our old folk would say, turned us around and planted our feet on a solid ground and washed that record of Clean. And so David says, I'm shouting. And I'm joining him, I'm shouting, because my mess has been transformed into a miraculous walking testimony of liberation and freedom. I know I'm not the only one who looked back on their life and I get to thinking, man, if I if my life was what it was then now, a mess. Now the walking testimony of liberation and freedom. And you know that too. Because of what the Lord has done. Now I'm living, says David, we're living, says David, what's called a blessed life. Doesn't have anything to do with my car. Doesn't have anything to do with my house, my clothes. Doesn't have anything to do with my job, my bank account. It's merely understanding how grace And how mercy and how resurrection and how truth has transformed my contents, And I'm happy about it, says David. He says, I'm living a blessed life because God doesn't hold my past against me. God has placed freedom where fear once reigned. A blessed life means living as a forgiven sinner. Listen to the words of Isaiah 43, 25. Isaiah 43, 25, and he says, It is I, says the Lord, who swept away your transgressions like cloud and your sins like mist. And Isaiah says that God says, Return to me, for I have redeemed you. And I'm reaching out to you this morning to let you know, no matter what wrong you have done, here's the shouting joy, God has grace to look beyond the fault, look beyond the fall, look beyond the fear, look beyond the failure, and see your need, and restore you Put your life back together and it will never be the same. Then when you shout now, nobody can ask, or they can ask, but nobody can question it. They might attempt to question but in your heart, you know they can ask a question all they want. But I know why I'm shouting and why I'm running around because I know that my life has been changed. I know I've been changed. Angels in heaven are inside my name. And I'm happy that my past. Has been washed away. Listen to what God said in Isaiah 44, verse 22 through 25. I have swept away all your transgressions. Listen to what He says. It is I who swept them away for my name's sake, and I remember your sins no more. That's victory. That's victory right there. So David says, a blessed life. Is knowing that a sinner, a violator of divine standing who's been forgiven, you know what that is. But he also says, secondly, that I'm done, a blessed life is also a recognition that I'm willing to bless God for God's goodness. Now let's go to Psalm 103. Let's begin at verse 1 because the first line of verse 1 and 2 highlights. And essence for me. And listen to what David says again. Let all that I am. Let every piece of fiber in me. Whether it's my mind. My body and my spirit. Let every aspect of who I am. Praise the Lord. And look what he said in verse 1. Clause B. With my whole heart. I'm going to celebrate his name. Look at verse 2. I'll never forget. The good things. He has done for me. I, I'm laughing because I know somebody's shouting right about now. You're thinking about all those good things that God has done for you, even when you didn't deserve it, the good things that He provided for you, even when you didn't pray about it, the good things that God gave you, even when you did not do anything, the good things, the favor, the open doors, the opportunities that God has provided for you and David says with all that I am I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to bless the name of the Lord. I got a question for you. When's the last time you went down in prayer and just simply blessed God? I didn't ask for thing. just said Lord I just want to bless your name for being as good to me as you have been and every morning when I wake up, morning by morning I see the new mercies of your grace and your prevention. And I just want to say thank you for all that you have done. When's the last time you've done that? And David says, I'm living a blessed life and because not only do I know that my sins have been washed away, but I'm blessed because I'm willing to bless God back in return because of his goodness. And it's a simple expression of thank you. You can bless God according to David. And here it is. By examining your itemized list of God's fingerprints on your life that you can see. Now David gives us that. He gives us his list in verse 3, 4, and 5. He says, I'm not going to forget the good things that God does and I want you to know that the verbiage of verse One Clause B and verse 2 Clause B is all in the present tense That that means that Right now says David Not only am I thinking about What God has done but I'm thinking About what God is doing now And it's all in the present tense And David says I'm going to bless God and thank him For his provision look what he says In verse 3 He says here's my list of how I can see the fingerprint of God all over my life. You got your pencil and pen together because this is a list. Because I know you got a list. I know you can make a list and see where God's fingerprint all over your life is. Listen to the few things that David lists, but I think you and I fall into these categories as well. Watch it now. I'm about to shout because this is a glorious thing. David says the first thing on my list is He forgives. All my sin. That's what I've been saying all along. That's what I've been saying all morning. About this forgiveness of sin. But David says. When you think about. What God has forgiven you from. How God has forgiven you. What God has delivered you to. David says you can't help but shout. You see the fingerprint of God.
3: All over
1: your life. What could have been. Was not. Once again. Because of grace. Look what he says. He says, he not only forgives all my sins, calls B in verse three, he heals all my diseases. He's shouting because in the moment of sickness, he knew who to call upon. And in calling upon the Lord, he recognized that God was the one that gave him divine healing. Do I have anybody out there? in this virtual congregational life who's celebrating this morning because God has lifted you from a sickbed, from a surgery that perhaps you were wondering if you could fully recover. There may be somebody out there who is recovering from a surgery, but there are also those who have had it and now they are in past full recovery. They are now celebrating It's a memory in their life that they won't forget because they remember how God healed. And David said, that's worth thanking God for. That's a blessed life right there. When you know your sins have been forgiven, when you know you have been healed. Look what he also said in verse four, clause eight. He redeems me from death. See, the word redemption means he brought me back. Now, I'm, I'm not sure if David is referring to a literal death or if David is referring to those coincidences or, or those consequences of those circumstances, those experiences that are familiar to death in the face of feeling that you're going to be on your way out. And there are some of us who've been in that mode. You've been in some situations where you certainly didn't think you were ever going to come back, and here comes. The gracious hand of God reaching into the midst of the mess and reversing it to a miracle by bringing you back. And I just want to prophetically testify that there are some folks, they're going to come back. They're going to make their way back from this pandemic. They're suffering now. They've gone through some disappointing days, but they're going to make their way back. I'm believing that they're going to trust God's provision and they're just going to walk by faith and just watch God open doors. It's going to happen. got to believe that. I have nothing else to believe in. God has a redeeming hand to bring you back. And look what he says. He not only redeemed me from death, but he crowns me with love and tender mercy. Love and tender mercy. Love and tender mercy. See, that crowning means that God puts on my head what it means to respect humanity and to honor humanity and to value humanity. It means that whether one is like me or don't look like me, different from me, doesn't matter. When it comes to humane context, There is something in me that has to display, depict, as we've been talking about in 1 John, the love of God. That demonstrates that God is a reality. And that's what David says. God has crowned. The word crown could very well be used for the word anointing. God has set on me the spiritual connotation exhortation to not only express love but mercy. Mercy. Because I've received it. And then there's a final thing. David says he not only has forgiven my sins he not only has healed all my diseases he not only redeems me from death he not only has crowned me with love and tender mercy. Verse 5 clause 8 But he has filled my life. Oh, I stand correct. Present tense. He fills my life with good things. Can we testify that today? God is filling our life with good things. In his divine provision, good things. In his care and love, good things. Protection, good things. Resources, good things. We don't have a want. Good things. We're able to share with others. Good things. He keeps on blessing over and over again. And don't your list include these benefits? Do I have any blessed folk who are not ashamed to testify? I'm blessed and I know it. I'm blessed. And I'll tell it I'm blessed and I'm going to shout it out. I'm going to live out loud my blessed life. And then I'm going to close with David's words in Psalm 103 as he closes in verse 22. Listen to what he says. Let everything bless the Lord and how I bless him also. Take this and I encourage everyone everywhere. Bless the Lord. All my soul and all that is within me blesses him. I'm going to bless him as well. Because he's the one that gives me a blessed life. And that's what it means. Recognize that I'm a sinner who's been forgiven, and also to recognize that I'm okay in giving God God's glory for his goodness. Let's pray. Lord, we pray this morning that your spirit would ignite someone to take inventory of their journey with you, take and examine your goodness take and examine how you blessed their life in a very mighty way. And to take and examine how you have opened doors that no man can shut and how you have shut doors that no man can open. Continue to help them recognize from whom all blessings flow. And we want to thank you for giving us blessed lives. Someone today, Lord, we pray hearing us may not know what that means because they have never invited you into their life. So that's my prayer today that in hearing this word the first blessing that they come to recognize is you have not only forgiven their sins but you've done it through the provision of your own son. And so Lord open up their minds and hearts to receive the gospel for whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, will give you the glory for saving someone today that calls on your name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. If you have made that decision today, what a joy, what an excitement it is to be able to know that someone's name is now being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We want to rejoice with you, so if you made a decision to trust Christ today, we just simply ask if you would. Contact our church office. Just let us know that I've been born again and I've accepted Christ and I want a great little design to know because we'd love to be your church family as well as have you become part of this church family as well. We celebrate what the gospel will do and believe my faith, someone is going to walk away from this broadcast today different than when they began. We also invite those of you who are our friends, who are our family members, as you continue your support, thank you. Being so supportive of the ministry, we invite you at this time, if you would, to take out your electronic device, whether you are going to text your tithe and offering by giving, please do so, or whether you're going to go to our website and participate in e-giving. We also receive your contributions by way of checks, money orders, however you do. We thank you for making this ministry possible through your faithful contribution. Well, I'm excited about this month. This is the month of October, and here at the Great Little Zion Baptist Church, October has a special meaning. It's special because this is the month that we celebrate our annual revival, and of course, it culminates in our church anniversary. This year, we are celebrating 129 years of existence, and we give God praise for giving us that long of existence. And to help us celebrate this year, we're going to have revival on Thursday and Friday, October 15th and 16th. And we are delighted to let you know that our revivalist for this year, by way of virtue of viewing, is going to be the Reverend Dr. Marcus D. Cosby, pastor of the Wheeler Avenue Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. Dr. Cosby is a renowned preacher. You're going to be true tremendously blessed as you listen to the preaching of God's word both on Thursday and Friday evening at 7 p.m. Then on Sunday, it culminates into our annual church celebration of anniversary. As I said before, 129 years, and we're going to have our guest preacher by way of virtual as well, the Reverend Dr. Charles Goodman, pastor of the historic Tabernacle Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia. What a time. I believe you're going to have looking forward to having that experience. Listen, call your friends, invite your family, tell everybody to tune in, share the link with them that they may be able to view us on YouTube. We start each night, Thursday and Friday at 7 on Sunday morning at 10. We want to invite you to experience this monumental moment as we celebrate this great preaching. As I close, let me tell you, as I always tell you, have a blessed, wonderful week And the Lord. God loves you, and so do I. Stay prayed up, and always know that the best is here to come. In Jesus' name,
0: amen.